world where the 2020 presidential elections have come and gone and you're still alive. This is the backlog breakdown. <laughs> I'm Nate. Uh, and, and as usual, I'm joined uh, by none other than the Broccolope himself, Joshua. Hello. Good evening. Yeah. Now, now we are recording this on the eve of election day, but it won't mm-hmm. air until mm-hmm. next week. And at that point in time, we'll know who our president is. Well, well you know what, though? Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> like, we'll see. You've been uh, handling those mail-in ballots. Uh, you know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we will see. Sorry. Um, yeah, it's well, and th- we've actually taken like you know, and again at the time of recording, a lot of this will be done, null and void. Um, mm-hmm. But with those ballots, basically starting last Saturday, today is Monday, so mm-hmm. it was like no, it was like Friday, I think. Anyways. We, if we got any ballots in with the mail, we actually had to pull those and give them okay. to our supervisors so they could be expedited to the county seats. Okay. Where they, where okay. they went. But, but, you know, and this is just me sort of thinking out loud. And it's kind of like I have a very similar response when somebody like comes up to me and they like give me their like phone bill. And they're like, this is due tomorrow. Make sure it gets there. And I'm like, dude. You've no, it's like, it's like, <laughs> like if it's supposed to be there tomorrow, you probably should have sent it like, I don't know, two, three days ago, man. <laughs> just kind of like just spitballing mm-hmm. here. Just mm-hmm. here, here's the thing. The mail in ballot stuff is not that big a deal. Like mm-hmm. we've been handling them for months now in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. either like sending them out or taking them back. What is mind blowing to me is that I know, I know, like I, I actually picked one up on Saturday and I'm going like, I, I'm going like to myself, I'm like, why didn't you send this out earlier? Mm-hmm. Like, but it's like, you have these people like waiting to the last minute and, and <laughs> here's the thing that kills me. Like, it's not like you have an excuse because it's all over the news. Yeah. It's all over the radio. Yeah, it it's all over <laughs> Facebook. It's all over Twitter. Like, mm-hmm. you don't have an excuse at mm-hmm. this point. They're calling you. Just you. Don't. They're texting you to let you know. Like, yeah. I am, yeah. I am a registered third-party voter, and I get mm-hmm. crap from both sides directly <laughs> to my phone urging me to vote. <laughs> and I'm just like, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, my only, not even, not even a counter argument. Just the, the part of me that, that like wants to defend, to give a voice to the voiceless, um, is that actually our, our church, so where I work, is a polling place. Um, okay. Because of like COVID, uh, it's usually in like grocery stores and stuff. Yeah. We don't want to have it outside. We have a nice big courtyard, and so uh, people can wait in the courtyard. Anyways, anyways, our the church is a polling place, and I didn't vote until last Tuesday, so like a week before um, the actual election. And and it's been it, that was like the third week of early voting here. Um, but that is simply because. So this is this this is all that I meant to say is like it was because I couldn't make up my mind. Uh, honestly, like who I was actually going to vote for in the presidential election. I was going back and forth 
Well, and I would just say, like, I think, like, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm just out of touch, but I, I honestly think you're an outlier, and that I think, yeah, I, the, oh, I probably am, yeah. The vast majority of people have known who they're going to vote for, and yeah. I'm not going to say whether or not I voted or not, and I'm not going to tell mm-hmm. anybody who I voted for or didn't vote for, like because yeah. it's none of your freaking business. Like, <laughs> how about them apples? Yeah. Like, and it's it's not yeah. the it's not, but it's like I'm over like the sort of like mm-hmm. performative mm-hmm. nonsense surrounding yeah. it. I'm over just like the bajillion pieces of political junk mail that have been like mm-hmm. just and like don't get me wrong, like it's it's money, you know. And I get paid mm-hmm. to carry the crap, but at the same time, like, and I don't, I don't want to go too far into <laughs> politics. I really don't. Um, but like, given the day that we're recording this, which it also happens to be the eve of my wife's birthday, uh, oh. so wow, tomorrow she, she overshadowed uh, that. That's yeah. Lame. Here, here, I'm not going to be paying attention to social media. Or anything mm-hmm. at all tomorrow, and maybe yeah. even for the next like two or three days, really, because yeah. Yeah. it's just it doesn't matter who wins at mm-hmm. this point in time. I'm convinced it's going to be obnoxious. Uh, obnoxious. That I was going to say mm-hmm. something else that was not nearly as <laughs> radio friendly. Um, that probably would have been needed to be bleeped. But yeah, it's it's just going to be terrible. It's it's just like because. If if the rhetoric and the sort of like all of the agitation that I've seen from like both ends politically speaking, mm-hmm. like there mm-hmm. there are people on the left and people on the right who are like basically if my guy doesn't win, like I'm going to riot, I'm going to start shooting people, I'm going to start doing, yeah. you know, like and I'm mm-hmm. just like there's a part of me that just wants to say like how about we gather up all of those people. And we put them like we just like drop them in the middle of the desert and say, we're going to give you the election results and you guys can just like duke it out amongst yourselves. And the rest <laughs> of of America is just going to go on about their lives. And like mm-hmm. we're not mm-hmm. going like if you guys kill each other or maim each other or whatever, that's your problem. <laughs> it's on you. That's the, yeah, that's on you. I, I don't know. And that's, I, I know that's not like a super Christian, generous, gracious thing to say, but like, I, I'm at this point in time, like, like, here's a hot take. Uh, if you are so insecure that you need your political candidate and your political agenda to be in power, to be like, okay with life. And it's not to say like, dude, like, like straight up, like cards on the table. I, the, the Biden president, the idea of a Democrat controlled Senate Congress and with Biden in the white house kind of spooks me mm-hmm. like, cause I'm going to be, that's going to be four years of just nuttiness, especially with the mm-hmm. vice president that he has like tinfoil hat for a minute. Like, and I'm probably giving myself away in some way, shape, or form. Like, <laughs> I would not be surprised if, like, yeah, well, we saw this whole, like, Pelosi sort of putting forth this thing to sort of, you know, if the, the president is not fit for office, removing the president. Mm-hmm. I don't think that would, had anything to do, like, especially this late in the game, that has nothing to do with Donald Trump. Nothing. Mm-hmm. That's what I think what that is, is that if Biden wins, 
they're basically going to use this as a soft slide for Kamala into the presidency. Quite possibly. I'm not even sure that I mean, they would th- need to because he's such a jellyfish anyway. Like, like I mean, she'll know. be like she'll be the power behind the seat anyways in right. a lot of ways, exactly. in my opinion. Yeah. But I think yeah. it'll just be one of those things where they might just like sort of say, well, we can just actually skip the formality and just sort of like shovel <laughs> shuffle him off right. into a retirement home. Exactly. With, yeah. You know, and just mm-hmm. and that woman freaking terrifies me. Yeah. Like I'll be I'll be yeah. honest. Like But it was a debate. It was a debate. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Uh, sorry. Political clips and jokes. If, and- if people could see my face. Mm. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Um, no, I, I will say, I will say what I was so uh, torn by was not between Trump and Biden. It was, it was between whether I was going to do, whether I was going to do third party and it, or at yeah. all or Trump. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, that, that's what was difficult to me. Like here at the end of the day, man, like the God of the universe, you know, our father, he is in control. He is sovereign. And this mm-hmm. is not taking him by surprise. And it and regardless of what happens, like, you know, his his people will persevere. Yeah. You know, and and it doesn't mean, and like, I, I honestly don't think it's going to be like one of those things where it's like, they're going to be rounding up Christians. And actually that, that book live not by lies uh, that I picked up mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. I, I actually haven't read it yet. Need to, mm-hmm. but it sort of talks about soft totalitarianism. And one of the things he talks about is like the way that industry has sort of become like very woke and sort of. Like that a lot of companies have sort of been instrumental in pushing forward the left woke agenda and a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. like, and so like, I th- I think like the thing is, it's just, there's going to be a lot of stuff that as Christians, and I don't think just based on like the little bits and pieces that I do know about this, I I don't think it's wrong to say, like, it's a stretch to say that as Christians, if that agenda is left to, if they are allowed to pursue that agenda unchecked, things will get very uncomfortable for us. I'm not saying that mm-hmm. they're going to be rounding us up and putting us in prison camps, but it's going to be real difficult. Yeah. 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 There's certainly so. going to be a social cost to it. If, if nothing else, if nothing, you know, like regulatory, which I mean, they've already said that they, they're going to pass the equality act. So then it is regulatory to a certain extent, but uh, anyways, yeah, we don't have to get in the weeds. This is not, I'm sure yeah. you don't tune into the backlog breakdown to get to your, listen to uh, our hot political, political takes. So how, how have you been over the last couple of weeks, man? How was the whole preaching thing yeah yeah so uh little little known fact um i actually preached in front of people for the first time (laughs) because the only times that i have uh has been this year during covid and so i've just preached to a camera um i would i was overall it went better than i expected it to uh, simply because I didn't know how I was going to react. Um, not that I'm like afraid of huge crowds. I just literally were outside. Kids are running around. I didn't know like how bad I would run down rabbit trails because, you know, I, I don't know if you can tell. I'm a little bad at brevity. 
so you know, Dude, I, it's, I just it's didn't like know our what trademark, man. It's exactly. Like, yeah, so am do. I going to carry that with me when I don't have a co-host? I don't know. Um, so I like I I just didn't know what to expect, and in I think like I was definitely nervous for the first few minutes, um, but I kind of hit it like cleared up fairly quickly in my mind. So I have my own critiques. I have things of like, oh, yeah, I probably should have emphasized that. I probably should have said that a little different. If I could have gone back and done things a little better, you know, ended a little bit better. Like, sure, there's lots of things that I would have done differently had I given the chance. But overall, like, it went so much better than I expected simply because I didn't end up, you know, writhing on the floor or, you know, in an incoherent pile. So, uh, yeah, no, it, it went well. It went well. My parents showed up. Oh, cool, uh, man. So that was fun. Yeah. But yeah, it was good. It was preaching on faith. So we took a look at, of course, Hebrews 11, um, but also Exodus 16 and uh, God giving the manna to the Israelites. Yeah, then back to Hebrews 11, Abraham looking forward to the greater country, the promised land. And so, yeah, if you're interested, you can, you can go to either, either our church's website or our YouTube um, and watch the pre-recorded version, which is not what was in front of people. Obviously, it was pre-recorded. It was recorded earlier on in the week. So that was my first go at it. Uh, mm. But yeah, there you go. Austin Oaks Church, if you're interested. Well, I, th- I think, you know, and this is just, I think you ought to throw a link in there for, you know, in the show notes. For anybody oh, dang. Who, who might want to like, <laughs> L- listen, you're not the one putting this forward. I am. So it's not okay. like you're tooting, tooting your own <laughs> horn. I just think it, I think it's a good thing, man. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It's funny because I like my, so my senior pastor, uh, I was preaching because the person who was supposed to preach uh, kind of backed out and, and it's, he's a, uh, he's, he, he's Ugandan. Um, he works for, he's like the CEO of a ministry that we partner with in Uganda and something happened where he had to go back to Uganda. He lives here in Austin now, um, within the last year or two, he moved here. So anyway, you know, it's like, it's like not a situation that like you can get mad at the guy. Like, no, there was like a situation. We're also in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. So, (laughs) um, but so it came up and, and anyways, all that to say, uh, the, the topic was faith. And so, uh, it's just it's just funny to me how it worked out. It's like, oh yeah, this is my first time preaching in front of people. Also, I d- I didn't ever think of myself as someone who like would preach before, so like this is very applicable even to myself as God's kind of like leading me and my family in that direction. So, well, it's cool. and I think that I mean the the thing that and this is coming from just sort of like an outside observation is that. I've I've heard pastors and preachers say this before that the reality is like a lot of times they are preaching to themselves from the pulpit mm-hmm. just as much as they are preaching to the congregation. Yep, a hundred percent. Definitely, hundred percent. Yes, sir. So, but yeah, it's it's been a good two weeks for sure. How how has your fortnight been? Pretty good, uh, you know. Well, and I guess, you know, uh, today, uh, as we're recording, it's uh, November 2nd. Mm -hmm. And so I've been sort of, I've spent like probably the last 
four or five days thinking through the whole like uh, the hashtag nearly no screens November stuff. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so like by the time this airs, it'll will already be like a week or whatever into November. And and I saw that your bite size was on sort of your no s- uh, social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was going to ask how upset you are with me for like just totally running. Not this at year. all. Okay, that's fine, dude. I mean, like, <laughs> totally stealing the, it. Like, to to be honest, there probably would have been a point in time in my life, I think, before we started recording the podcast, where I would have gotten upset over something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's my idea, murder, you know. And mm-hmm. now I'm just like, okay, cool. Like, y- you know, and that, and it's like, you and I are a team, right? And yeah. So, like the the book club and the you know, the Twitter and this podcast, like this is a team effort. And so I don't know, like if, if, if you had been like, and this is just like me sort of maybe demonstrating my insecurities or whatever, but like, if somebody else had like, like if we we had talked about that with somebody else and somebody else Mm -hmm. did that, I'd be Mm -hmm. a little like miffed, but it's like, dude, like, like this is my, my teammate, this is my partner. And he's just like, he's doing the thing that we talked about anyways. So it's like, Cool. I'm glad somebody is talking about it, you know, like, like, gotcha. you know, um, so I, 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 I was actually sort of pleasantly surprised when I, mm-hmm. when I, I was like, oh, cool. Like, I'm, I'm glad that he's given that a little bit of shine, a little nice. bit of love. Um, well, good. I'm glad. Cause I was looking like it hit me that I needed to get a bite size done. And so I was like, oh shoot, what should I do? And then I was looking, I was thinking like, maybe I can just, cause I hadn't done write-ups for the past few games that I've finished uh, mm-hmm. for the, the book club. And I feel that I should, I really need to go back and do that. Um, but then I was like, I could just give an overview of these games, but then I'm like, it's, it's November and we're probably going to do something similar to that towards the end of the year. So like, mm-hmm. I'd rather not already start it now, <laughs> especially if we do like we did last year, a look back and then a look forward in January, you know, like uh, it's probably a bit overkill. And then, and then I figured like, oh, well, let's talk, you know, this is going to drop early November. Let's go ahead and yeah. talk about what we're doing kind of a thing. Um, yeah. So. Well, and I think too, like even the, just the way that like I leveraged it in the book club. Mm-hmm. Too. And so like, I, I did want to touch on it. And then when I saw that you, I was like, oh, cool. Uh, and then like I had posted, I posted in the book club yesterday about it. I'm going right. to check and just like, I'm going to see if it's okay with the other admins in TRG to, to drop a line and just say like, invite anybody in TRG proper who isn't in the book club to say, hey, we're doing this thing, mm-hmm. you know, feel free to participate or not. But nice. It like so. I was just thinking through that and thinking about like because like I said in in the post in the book club, I normally it's just straight abstention. It's just like mm-hmm. I just don't. I'm like no social media or no single player games or no video games or no this or no that. And I'm like, how about I just sort of like scale back, like and just do like a heavy sort of like instead because like, I think like the problem with and it's not to say that abstaining from something is problematic for a season or whatever. I think that that's mm-hmm. good and that's necessary. And that sometimes those are helpful rhythms. Uh, like it's a helpful interruption to unhealthy rhythms rather. Mm-hmm. But I think too, that a lot of times it sort of is almost a binge and purge 
kind of yeah. mentality where it's like, I've been, I've been doing too much of X, Y, and Z. So now I'm going to cut it all out and I'm not going to be able to sort of like turn around and engage this in a healthy and constructive and meaningful way. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I was like, well, what I want to do is like, I want to get like my social media use, like my, just my phone use down to like an hour, hour and a half a day. Yeah. Like if I can get like sort of like in in that target, I'm good. Like that that's good. That uh for sure. Like you know, say like like let's just at a at a, at a soft limit like 6 hours of video games a week. You know, and it's and I think too like even sort of just one of the things I thought was like, well, I'm not going to worry about like if if I hop on with Parker or somebody, I'm not necessarily going to worry about tracking the hours there. Yeah. You, you know, but I'm just saying like for my own personal consumption, like if I sit down and play some video games after work or whatever, because the reality is like, I'd been sort of like short, short version of the story is like, it's basically, that's just sort of what I do. I turn it on mm-hmm. and I just, and it's like, I need there, I need to start being better with my time management. Yeah. In in that regard. And so a lot of times it just means like, I need to just say like, like, okay, like I can play, I can play for a couple hours and then, you know, and there's just like some soft rules that I'm sort of setting for myself saying like, Hey, like I don't stay up past normal bedtime to play video. Like, so if I need to be in yeah. bed by like 10, 10 30 most nights, you know, if it's 10, 10 30, the machine I, I save and I go to bed and you know, whatever um yeah yeah i just like like i said the whole idea and 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 i said even in the post in the book club like not this isn't a one-size-fits-all what this is is it's really Mm -hmm. hopefully it's an an opportunity for people to reevaluate basically the way that they're consuming some of this media yep you know not not just video games not just social media but just screens in general like Mm -hmm. The t- mm-hmm. Like, I, I think especially in light of the pandemic, you know, you got Netflix, you got Hulu, you got Disney Plus, you got all this stuff. And like people, I, I know just even in, in in our home, and I'm not a huge TV guy. Like I've watched mm-hmm. more TV since basically since March than I have in a long time. Yeah. Like in a long, yeah. long time. And so I just, there's just like, and it's not to say that it's bad to like watch a show or whatever like that's that's fine and i but i also want to make sure that i'm putting those things in their proper places and i think like it's just lately it's just been sort of things are kind of out of whack and i just want to sort of reset and as far as like developing healthy rhythms yeah anyways speaking of playing video games and watching tv and consuming (laughs) media media and trying to be healthy and wise why don't we just sort of dip into the backlog report? Ah, it's funny that you mention it because I seem to have my report right here with me. Oh, oh my. Ah, oh, that looks like a user manual for an HDTV. That's that's exactly what it is. That That's another story, but we got a new TV today, so. Oh, well, <laughs> you fancy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, fancy. It, is, it is fancy. Anyways, uh, okay, so backlog report. Yeah, let's do this, huh? Uh, mine is super boring because it's the same two games that I played that I talked about on the last episode. Put a little bit of time, more time into Mario and Rabbids. Fun. 
Um, but just like barely. I mean, honestly, the only time that I've been playing my Switch is while I'm exercising. So I started doing strong lifts again. So like the minute and a half between your reps is when I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> I and I appreciate then... <laughs> that, man. I, I dig that. That's a that's an interesting like take there. I dig yeah. that. Because the thing is, when I'm on the elliptical, uh, now it's school, because th- this course that I'm doing right now, it's on biblical theology. There's a lot of reading, uh, mm-hmm. which is cool because then there's not as much writing. So that's cool. Uh, I'm fine with that trade-off, uh, but um, that that means that I need to find more time to read. And so on the elliptical is one of the ideal places uh, that I can read. So anyways, that to say, yeah, not very much of that game, but I have touched it a few times. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've been playing and yeah, it's, it's fun. Um, but a lot of trails in the sky, that's mainly what I've been playing. Uh, and I'm digging it. So the more that I play it, uh, so if you don't know about this series, uh, by Nihon Falcom, uh, it's a it's a long running JRPG series. It is known for its world building. Okay, what's the um, what's the series called? Um, Kaseki, the Kaseki games. Yep, yep. Yeah. Okay. So technically, it's what not Dragon Slayer. Dragon Slayer was like the first one, but th- there's there's another title. So it's it's part of, sort of like the the Shin Megami Tensei series. You know, you have all these different kind of spinoffs. The Trails series is a not tales tales is a totally separate series by totally separate company trails is a spin-off of oh legend of heroes that's what it is legend of heroes trails in the sky so uh anyways these trails games are like a series of i think it's nine games right now yeah yeah it is nine games because the cold steel came out with their fourth game uh so far it's nine games in this side series that is building that like they're all interconnected. Um, they're told from different vantage points. They all happen within like a four year span, I believe. And you're just getting these perspectives of different people in the, in the world that come from different uh, countries within the world. So you see some of the same, uh, the same things happening in the world, just from a totally different country's perspective so the first game in that series is the one that i'm playing trails in the sky there's trails in the sky there's second chapter and third chapter as well uh those are the first three uh, that's the first arc the second arc contains two games that have never had an official english localization um those are known as the crossbell arc and then the arabonia arc is the trails of cold steel games that have come out on various platforms. They just released the fourth game in that series, and I believe that's the end of the Trails of Cold Steel, but they've already announced another game in the Trails series in Japan so far. So anyways, all these nine games create this world, right? Um, So I'm on the first game, and it is uh, pretty quaint, if that makes sense. Like you can tell, well, I went into it knowing that the first game was basically split into two parts. Like they had written this whole thing and then it ended up being too long. And so they split it into first chapter and second chapter. And then I don't know where third chapter factors into that um, because I'm still playing the first game. But anyway, so your main characters are, are they're teenagers, but they're kind of like, 
they're they're responsible young adults if that makes sense they're not you know they're not just like you know we're in a we're in school kind of a thing um but they're actually like traveling the world doing things uh by themselves so but because they are teenagers like you're seeing them and like their quirky personalities come through a lot while the stuff around them as they're traveling around the world you can tell that something else is going on and they don't know because they're young. <laughs> um, especially the main character. She is a very like strong headed young woman. Um, she's kind of tropey, like very endearing, um, but very much like just not uh hard on the sleeve, just run into everything. Sort of like, sort of like Peter in the gospels, how he like doesn't think he just does stuff. She's very much the same way. Um, and so, like, you can tell the stuff that she's running into, she doesn't realize how deep some of, like, the political intrigue goes. She's just like, okay, what do we do now? How do we get out of this kind of a thing? So um, it feels, it doesn't feel shallow because it's not. Um, there's a lot of text. I mean, like, it's almost bordering on, uh, like, Persona 5 levels of like text dump but it's done in such a way that is very much like you can tell they're they're building up to something maybe it's because i knew that that's what is happening like because this entire series is supposed to be this grand tale but uh, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's all for naught it's just a bit slower because of that if that makes sense mm. Um, I know the first game ends on a huge cliffhanger. I even know somewhat what that cliffhanger is because that was spoiled for me when I was looking into the series through like YouTube videos and stuff like that. Uh, anyways, all that to say, I am enjoying it for what it is, knowing that there's more to come, if that makes sense. Like knowing that it gets better, I'm still enjoying it now. It just is admittedly like lots of text, lots of like, just building up who each of these characters are, the characters that you meet, and kind of the world that they inhabit. Because this is your first glimpse into something that's going to be like absolutely huge as you go down the line. So I well, my thoughts are I started playing this on my PSP, okay, a long time ago, and I got a few hours in, and it just honestly like I think if that game would have caught me, you know, say like ten years prior. Mm -hmm. When I first, like if I had run across that series much earlier or, you know, even a few years earlier, but when, by the time I got around to like playing it on my PS or my Vita and I was just kind of like, mm -hmm. okay, like yeah. I don't, I don't have time for this. I don't, I think mm -hmm. like I'd rather there's, so maybe someday I'll like circle back around and finish it, whatever, but. I just, yeah, it, and and it's everything that I've read and sort of understand about it is it's very exposition heavy. It's mm -hmm. very much about like world building, world building, world building. Mm -hmm. Um, and which I'm kind of like, okay, like that's cool, but it's like even looking at like the Trails of Cold Steel, the next yeah. series or whatever, I'm kind of like, okay, like there's a part okay. of me that's like, oh, this would be really fun to play. There's also a part where I'm like, just like, I I don't know. I don't know. Like, mm -hmm. I don't, like, I mean, we played Persona 5 and I, and I yeah. want to go and play Persona 5 Royal. 
Mm-hmm. I'm just like, uh, like I think my threshold for those games is like, mm-hmm. there's a part of me that still really likes them and really loves them, but I'm also like, kind of just at a point where I'm saying this just isn't for me anymore. Yeah. This like, and some of this is just me, right? But when I have to spend hundreds of hours so that I can sort like basically existing in this world, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm talking about playing all the games and sort of digging yeah. into all the lore. Yeah. And I'm like that, no hard pass. Like yeah. I'm an adult and, and it's not to like jam on, but it's like my time is at a premium. I don't have time for this anymore. Yeah. Like there's too many other things that I want to play and there's too many other things that I need to get done. I am not the whole I'm an adult thing was kind of a, no, I, I, a, I know what you're saying. Like you have other, you just have other priorities. You don't have time to kind of just like, like kick off well, your I, shoes and, and stay a while. <laughs> yeah. It's like if, if it was like single Nate uh, and things were a lot different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like if, if this stuff had sort of popped up on my radar, like 10, 15 years radar, radar <laughs> 10 15 years ago i would have been like all about it but like now mm-hmm. i kind of look at it and like i th- i think it's just like uh, th- it's not for me right now like yeah. and, and it's not to say like hey maybe someday in like you know 15 20 years or whatever like <laughs> be like eh, i'll see what these these trails of games are all about you know mm-hmm. as i you know yeah senile yeah yeah, no, that I mean that that totally makes sense because uh, yeah, it definitely is a commitment. Uh, one of the things I really like about the because I'm playing it on PC, PC in quotations on my Mac, um, is is uh, the turbo function that you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously it's exposition heavy, so you, you can't just turbo through exposition. Like, why would you even play the game then <laughs> if you're just going to well, skip I, everything? I, that everyone's saying. Honestly, I think if I were to come back to that, I would mm-hmm. just get it on Steam or whatever yeah. and just play it that way. Yeah. Because you can go, I mean, you can actually change how fast the turbo goes. So like in battle, it can be six times speed. And while you're walking in the overworld, it can be four times speed, you know, and, you know, however you want to do that. So so you can massively like cut down on some of the repetitive stuff within the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to say the battle's not fun. Like, no, it, it definitely is. But when you're fighting some of the same enemies, or if you want to grind, dude, you can grind for 10 minutes and you'll gain a, a lot of stuff because like you can just turbo your way through these battles. Uh, so anyways, that, that helps a lot. Um, but yeah, it is overall, it's slow for me right now. That means that it is a very chill experience. Like I can, I can just chill while I'm playing it. I don't have to. Um, and it's funny because like the other game that I need to go back to that I haven't touched in a while is God of War. And that one is not that way. (laughs) Um, because that's definitely one you got to pay attention to. Um, and it's a lot of fun for very different reasons. So, uh, mm-hmm. I've been, I've been thinking like, I've been like, Oh, I need to, I need to, I need to get back to that. But that one's also a little more difficult just cause I don't want the kids seeing, uh, you know, uh, Kratos throwing an ax through something skull. It's not fun. I mean, they're zombies for yeah. the most part. Yeah. But yeah. Don't want to give my kids, <laughs> I don't need to give my kids any more ideas on what they should be doing with their toys. 
Um, but yeah, so that's all that I've been playing. Um, I have been reading a bunch of stuff. Like I said, uh, a bunch of stuff for, for school. I will say just in passing, um, the one textbook that I, that I had to buy for this class, which, you know, kind of, kind of cool. It was only one, um, is a book by Kevin Van Hooser and it's Mm -hmm. called Faith Speaking Understanding. Um, and I haven't read much Van Hooser before. I've, I've read a little bit in one of my other classes and he is quickly becoming like someone to watch out for, um, just in the future. I'm, I know, I know Paul Maxwell kind of like studied under him, uh, Mm -hmm. as well. So that's where I had first heard of his name, but man, the stuff, the, the stuff that I've been reading by him, I'm just like, man, this, this dude, not only is he a deep thinker, um, but he, he's very, I, I don't know. He he's very like almost inspirational. If that not to be cheesy, but just like makes you want to. What, what was that book called again? I'm just writing a note for myself. Faith, Faith speaking understanding. So not seeking, but speaking. It's got okay. like a, a picture of a stage on the front of it. All right. Um. Uh, so the, the, yeah, that's for school. Outside of that, what else? Okay. So I finished the Fountainhead. Short version is that, yeah, it, it was pretty similar to, I, I think Ayn Rand was trying to do similar things with that as Atlas Shrugged. I don't know which one. I think that one came first, right? Fountainhead came first. I w- um, I, I'm going to look that up because I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty oh. sure it did because Atlas Shrugged was like her magnum opus after that. I, I, I think, yeah, Fountainhead comes first and then... Anyways, so Fountainhead ended and I was kind of just like, oh, okay. It didn't, like, it's, it's, it's different. So the, so the thing with the Fountainhead especially, and Atlas Shrugged to a certain degree, but I feel like there's a bit more explanation in Fountainhead, or in Atlas Shrugged. With Fountainhead, it was a bit more jarring because uh, the characters, don't, their motivations are so unrelatable. <laughs> If that makes sense, they don't act human half the time, um, and and it's just weird. Like, yeah, it it's hard to relate with it. Like, why are you doing that? Why are you acting that way? What is your motive? You know, for instance, one of the main characters, she like loses hope in the world, and so she marries someone that she knows and like devotes herself to someone that she knows she won't be happy with, who's basically like a fake his entire life. And she knows it, but she intentionally gets married to him just as a way to like spite the world because the world is an unfair place. Like it's just these weird things of just anyways, all that to say is that I feel or the characters were written very idealistically and and so it's not very relatable, which is just, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just very jarring because nowadays you're supposed to relate to every character, right? And that's why all the good guys have to have well, the bad side. I them. think that, the, okay, so just to clarify the order, it was the Fountainhead and then 14 years later it was okay. uh, Atlas Shrugged. There you go. But, but here's the thing that we need to sort of like keep in mind when we're looking at uh, Rand's stuff is that- She's not telling a story so much as she's making arguments. Yes. And so yes. her characters mm-hmm. are just tools for the argument. Yes. And that's that's it. And 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 it's not to say that there isn't some craft or some storytelling involved in that. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just saying that 
the purpose it, it, the purpose is to put forth these ideals for yeah. sure and so like when when she her characters don't ring true that's because well they're not meant to be realistic they're meant yeah. to be you know a point of leverage yep yes that was very eloquently put maybe i should just cut out everything that i said before that cuz yes it's totally that I feel like she grew as a writer, not that I know much, you know, whatever. Um, but I feel like Atlas Shrugged was that, but it was also, it had this story that kept you very engaged. Whereas Fountainhead, not so much. Somewhat. Some, like, it's not, I'm not saying it wasn't enjoyable. It was, but it was also bizarre in ways that Atlas Shrugged wasn't. So it took me a little while after finishing it of like thinking through it watching some YouTubes, watching some like other people explain things to where I was like, okay, where I, I started to understand it more of, of what she was doing. So, um, yeah, no, I, I hope I, that was very negative. I don't yeah. dislike the book. It just was very different. I personally preferred Atlas Shrugged, even though they're both, they're both long, but Atlas Shrugged is ridiculously long. Uh, anyways, mm -hmm. so uh, read that. And then at the recommendation of one of the pastors at my church, he, he was just talking about a book that, that like he really enjoyed um, at one time. It wasn't even like a personal conversation. He just kind of threw it out there. Um, I listened to a book called Gospel Fluency by Jeff Vanderstelt. And that, and it was really good. It's a really short book. I say really short, five, six hours, uh, if you're listening to it on audiobook. Um, and it's basically just talking about bringing the gospel into everyday situations and, and the way that you look at life and what, like basically asking, what does the gospel have to say about this situation? And then also taking that a step further and like bringing the gospel, like saying it, <laughs> you know, like sharing that with people, just very practical in one sense, but also solid. There were a couple things that I was just kind of like, eh, you, you know, I don't know that I'm exactly eye to eye with you on that, but, but nothing like horrible. Um, overall, very, very solid. Then it was a good book. I'll probably go back and listen to it again sometime. Uh, cause I enjoyed it. So would recommend. Anyways, that's, okay. that's all I have to report on. Oh, sounds interesting. Um, I'll try to sort of bump through here. Uh, to the surprise of absolutely no one, uh, <gasps> I have been playing more Hades. Mm. Uh, I did take a little bit of a, a break from it, um, but it's just sort of been in a semi-constant rotation uh, because it's real good. Um, mm -hmm. But I also fired up a couple other things. I did sort of sit down with that that Jotun game or Jotun or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's fine. I, I mean, short version is there's some really clever ideas in it. Okay. And there's some parts of it that I really like, but it just did feel kind of empty at the end of it. Like basically the, the whole thing is you have to fight these, these five Jotuns and mm -hmm. these five giants. And they're also, they've got different, like one's a, a plant giant and one's a fire giant and an ice giant and a lightning giant and my brain not worky, uh, but there were five giants anyways. Mm -hmm. And there's these exploration levels that you have to go through and it just sort of, it, it's very much, you can sort of see that this is a freshman attempt. Um, okay. 
There's yeah. some like the the art is absolutely gorgeous. Like okay. it's all hand anime, you know, hand drawn, hand animated, and it's really very visually striking. It's neat, but then it's kind of like okay, like that's cool, and you move on. Gotcha. And it's just kind of like. It was it was an interesting concept. I just wish it had been fleshed out a little bit more. That's like the uh, Stephen Miller. Uh, he's in the Discord. Um, yep. He and I talked a little bit. He really likes it. Mm-hmm. Um, big fan. He played it a few years ago. Was really impressed with it. And I think like his observations have merit. I just sort of like coming at it now. I'm kind of like, no, I can see that. But I'm also sort of looking at this and saying like. I think it's also sort of the the gameplay leaves something to be desired. Okay. That's and that's just my my personal opinion. Like I think like he's not wrong in saying like there's some stuff there where it's like when he said some of the arguments he made sort of like as to why he really likes the game. I was like, "No, that has merit." I'm just saying it, it I just do feel like it's just it's a little hollow or a little empty. Mm. Um it just feels like th- there could there could have should have been a little bit more something more in there mm-hmm. um because i'm not i'm not opposed to like shorter games i actually really oh, yeah. like that but um i just kind of felt like eh. anyway so uh, yeah. a little bit of joe and uh fired did, up xcom you What's said that? a little bit did you finish that game yep okay cool yeah yeah cool. there's like all this challenge stuff where it's like you can get into this mode where you just basically fight the boss fights, you don't do any, there's, and it's just like, you can do some like time trial stuff. And then there's beating it without using any of this, any of the special powers, et cetera, et cetera. Ooh, and I'm just kind of wow. like making, uh, mm. I don't yeah. know if that's for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, did fire up a little bit of XCOM two. Uh, have been playing mm-hmm. a chunk of that uh, just because it's been, it's sort of been, on my backlog for a while. And I, I do enjoy the gameplay. Here's the thing about that game. And I'm just going to like, I really like it, but that game cheats like a son of a gun. Like the computer, <laughs> like there's so much stuff that's like percentage based and uh, RNG and all this other stuff yeah. where it just really feels like the AI in that game is bent towards like boning you. That's not the nicest way. There, There's stuff where it's like, Oh, you have like a 60% shot like and it sometimes it's like that that stuff that you miss i don't know man like sometimes that game just like i'm just like seriously and so i do a lot of saves coming the game can cheat you can cheat too why not let's do it yeah it's like oh you're gonna give me like a crappy roll like bunch of rolls on this turn where it's like because like that's the that's the other thing it's like in a lot of ways that the stakes for that game are so high okay in the sense that like within the space of a turn or two, like you have like one bad turn and it's pretty much a party wipe. And like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so the percentages just, just throwing this out there with Mario and Rabbids are only zero 50 or a hundred. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's like, they, they simplify that hardcore. <laughs> like it's not. Well, and here's, here's my thing is like, okay, let just give you an example of something that actually basically happened to me. Mm-hmm. I had two, guys lined up on on an enemy for for shots and it was like set the like 60 and 70 percent okay those are like past 
You should be uh, able to count on those. Yeah. You should be able to count. (laughs) Both of those miss the enemy. And then the enemy got this thing where it just like basically rolled up and like one shot at a dude with a critical hit. And I was like, what? (laughs) And so I went back and I reloaded it and I played it the exact same way. And then that dude got annihilated. Okay. (laughs) Like... Yeah. So and I'm I'm just saying like there is this weird thing where the like the game's just a little janky and busted. And I was even talking to my brother. I said like it would just make more sense to me if a lot of that was like some of that stuff like anything under 50%, I'm like pass fail, whatever. But I think anything over 50%, like scale the damage if you're going to do anything. Mm, yeah. But there's just so much that there's so much to that game and there's, there's like there's this whole like it's called the Overwatch mechanic. And so basically, instead of using an action that turn, you basically put them in sort of a a watch mode where if anybody sort of enters their line of fire or the, a cone or how I'm, it's like, like the things that make that game a lot of fun, which the, the entire premise of the game is really like, it's an ambush simulator. Okay. Like you, you basically want to set up these situations where you're like ambushing your enemies and- mm you're sort of forcing them to to come into your ambushes. But when that doesn't work properly, it's not really like the, the fun parts are like when you like force a guy like into a, an, an overwatch line of fire and he just gets like, he basically runs into gunfire. Like, mm-hmm. and it, I don't know. It just, anyways, I, I, yeah. XCOM two is really good, but there's some parts of it where I'm just like, ah, and there are people who play that on like hard and do like the <laughs> Iron Man runs and all that other stuff. And I'm like, you're insane and you hate yourselves. <laughs> um, I did also fire up a little bit of uh, uh, Sekiro, Sekiro. Oh yeah, um, I, that's right. I saw that on GG. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's definitely, I think it's something I'm going to be sort of, like the thing I have such a, like a completionist sort of weirdness to me. Like when I, I want to do a perfect run and what those type of games, like dark souls and all that, it's like, no, you just have to like get <laughs> through the, get through the level. And then after you've sort of got a handle on the level and you've got a handle on some more skills and stuff like that, at that point in time, that's when you can sort of like come through and run romper stomper. Like after Mm -hmm. you sort of get a little bit more of the game under your belt, you can come back to earlier levels. And so I'm trying to play with that in mind. And that's like, you know, just, just get through it by hook or by crook. And sometimes that just means like running past a dude and just being like, nah, dog, we're not doing this, man. (laughs) Um, I'm good. So the, there's that, and it's just it's 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 solid, and it's actually I'm sort of in a headspace where it's like, yeah, no, I I can be down with this. Like, I was playing it for a couple hours the other night, and I was like, this is actually pretty enjoyable. And it when that game clicks, it clicks super. It's like, man, mm. Mm. but mm. um, mm. yeah, I can't I can't wait to play that. It's uh, it's pretty it's pretty enjoyable, man. I think yeah. it, it's it's very different. Like it's very di- I think. If it has anything in common with any of the other Souls type games, mm-hmm. it probably is the closest to Bloodborne. Okay. But I think it's even sort of more aggressive than Bloodborne. Like, okay. yeah. Basically, dancing out of range, I do spend a lot of time like running away. Like, if there's like 
you know, four or five dudes, like I'm just, I'm out. Like I'm going to go like five dudes. Jeez. Yeah. There've been like, well, you know, you're sort of invading these camps and stuff. And there was like one time I was coming through and I accidentally like, I screwed up because like a a lot of it, it is very stealth heavy. Mm -hmm. Like just in my experience, like, it's just like, you want to be like looking for those paths where you can sort of like drop in on dude, do an execution and then like zip, you know, zip back up to like a- Get out. Yeah, get out. So there's like a lot of like picking dudes off from the fringes and stuff. But there was one time I screwed up and I had like four or five dudes and I was like, ah, <laughs> like run away. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, as far as books go, I was listening to a bunch of like shorter stories on Audible. Like I had a bunch nice. of stuff. Like there's a bunch of stuff because I have a subscription that I got for free. Uh, of note, I'm not going to include the author's name, okay? Names, uh, because I didn't remember to write those down. But <laughs> two two shorter stories that I listened to uh, were one was called Cut and Run. It's sort of a it's like a comedy. There's some romancy stuff in it, but it's also got sort of like almost like a noir vibe. Okay. Like a, it's it's real it's kind of fun. It's a basically a story about some kidney thieves, like people who steal <laughs> kidneys and right. the hijinks that ensue with with that. Um so the scum they, of the earth. The, <laughs> the story's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um it's 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 kind of funny and charming and I actually Meg Ryan is the narrator. Um, okay. but it's a fully it's a fully cast uh, it's oh. more like a like a radio drama sort of thing. Wow! It's really, okay, it's it's kind of fun. Uh, the That's other cool. one was Henrietta and Eleanor, which is okay. actually it's sort of a gender swap Jekyll and Hyde, gotcha um, retelling. And uh, it's dude, I I was listening to it at night while I was driving at one point in time. Mm-hmm. That story was spooky. Mm. Um, kind of creeped me out a little bit. Like it just like it's a very different type of it's not like gory spooky but like very psychologically spooky yeah ah, anyways yeah for sure and then uh, Piranesi which is uh, I'm actually gonna I want to say Susanna Clark yeah Susanna Clark what else did she write I just want to oh Susanna she wrote Jonathan Strange and Mister Mister Norrell which is sort of it's a weird piece of fiction about english magic um okay it's 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 fun it's a little dry but i really like that book and so when i saw this book i was like oh uh, she wrote that too and anyways um i'm also i'm actually reading reading because i mm-hmm. can't find it in audiobook version <laughs> um it's called the eye of argon it's uh they okay. there's a few episodes of 372 pages we'll never get back Oh. dedicated to this and this thing is arguably like i i was actually reading a it said this is arguably the worst thing that has ever been written <laughs> yikes and i'm like oh sign me up so it's it's a shorter burn i have it on my kindle app and i've kind of been like and i read about three paragraphs last night and i'm gonna tell you it's <laughs> three paragraphs <laughs> it's awful it yeah. is so bad um you know what just just because this should be really entertaining radio 
I'm going to pull up and I'm just going to read <laughs> for just a minute some of the atrocious nonsense that is this um that is the eye of argon it was written by jim thais thias okay. i don't know oh okay here we go prepare to embrace your creators in the stygian haunts of hell barbarian gasped the first soldier only after you have kissed the fleeting steed of death wretch returned grigner a sweeping blade of flashing steel riveted from the massive barbarian's hide enameled shield as his rippling right arm thrust forth, sending a steel shot blade to the hill into the soldier's vital organs. The disemboweled mercenary crumpled from his saddle and sank to the clouded sward, sprinkling the parched dust with crimson droplets of escaping life fluid. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, so it's special. Mm. Um, mm. but uh, that's uh, I haven't read anything of note but, you know as far as just like haven't done any serious reading it's all been sort of very leisurely um, yeah 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 just lots of fun um, so you're talking about short stories on audible have you listened to uh, Micro Megas I haven't have heard of that one okay I have it by uh, uh, Voltaire yep I have it and I it's in my queue and I'm kind of like I need to listen to this because yeah. super yeah. short. I think it's an hour long. Um, yeah, but it's uh, it's funny. It's interesting because it's uh, like I looked it up online afterwards, and apparently it's like the first recorded work of like science fiction, basically. Really? Um, hmm. Yeah, because it's about an alien who comes to Earth. Um, but it's funny how it goes back and forth in tone to where at times it seems serious and then at times it just seems off the wall bonkers of just like saying stuff. Uh, and so it can be really funny because you're in the middle of kind of like this, you know, like the middle of a diatribe and then they just say something like totally wacky and weird. Uh, but it's, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a fun little, you know, I, I listen to it on two times speed. So a fun little half an hour, but I think I have that in my queue. I'm just going to pull this up now. Yeah. This is I, great radio, by the way. Like, I'm sure that everybody's like, thanks, Nate. Yeah, I, I'd seen uh, Paul Maxwell yeah. tweeted about it. And so I was going to look into it. But it just sounded so weird, like Micromegas. What is that? Like Micromegas by Vo Voltaire. And I was just like, oh, is this going to be like some like crazy deep, you know, work of fiction? And then I saw Wes had listened to it. And so he posted about it on Goodreads. Um, and so I was like, oh no, this isn't intimidating at all. Not, not to say anything about Wes, just that like he, he said it was a short little like funny read. And so I was like, hmm. oh, that's not at all what I was expecting. Okay, cool. Then I'll check it out. Anyways. Cool. cool. So I have two more pieces of additional media and then oh, yes? I'll be done. Uh, I bought recently within the last couple of weeks, the Battle Chasers anthology. Which Battle Chasers is by Joe Mad. He's the mm -hmm. guy who mm -hmm. did the artwork for the Darksiders games. I've been, but Battle Chasers was a comic book series. He had done like a really successful run on Spider Man, I think. Uh, nice. He's he's like, if you guys Google his work, the, I mean, he's just an amazing artist, just technically. Um, 
but Battle Chasers was an independent sort of venture that he had done mm-hmm. uh, as sort of a swords and sorcery comic book. There were nine complete issues, and then oh, he just stopped doing it. Okay, um, yeah, I was going to say of, that seems like a short run. It was, and it just like, and it just cuts off abruptly. No, like, it's, yeah, it's it's heartbreaking. Like, there's a part of me that's like, come back, tell your story, like tell the story, and just be done with it, so that I I have completion here. But uh, anyways, I got the, I picked up, I had a copy of the anthology. I probably lent it out to somebody and now I have no idea where it is. So I just bought a softback version and I did reread through that. And it's just, it's just a good, like pretty art, kind of just a D and D steampunky adventure. It's fun. Nice. Um, I, I nice. dig it. I, I really wish I, I hope that someday he comes back and finishes it and I can read that yeah. story. Cause yeah. I'd like to, um, the other um, thing is there's, there's a show that I've been watching on. Uh, I I actually renewed a subscription to Verve or VRV, okay, um, so that I could watch this because it's on the Crunchyroll. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I'm not just paying for Crunchyroll. Um, I'm gonna get it all, but it's called <laughs> Jujutsu Kaisen. Okay, and it's sort of uh, basically Jujutsu, not Jujitsu, but Jujutsu, jujutsu. is is i think that's the japanese yes the <laughs> i just think of naruto <laughs> exactly so <laughs> it's basically <laughs> yeah they uh they have these magic techniques and they fight curses which are manifestations okay. of negative emotions and experiences okay. yep. and personas yeah this but the, <laughs> basically this dude eats a finger like a cursed object um, okay. he eats his finger of like basically a super strong curse or demon or something. And mm. he's sort of like, he, like, he can actually like take possession of his body. Mm. Um, anyways, it's weird, but I was watching it and I'm like, I'm kind of in bed. Like I watched like the first episode and I was like, okay, this is neat. And like, and I actually got into it because someone posted the end credits roll scene. And I was like, what is this? This looks really interesting. And then I started Googling about it and I was like, I'm just going to watch it. And then next thing I know, I'm like, I'm like five episodes in and I'm like, I need more of this. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta have it. (laughs) So uh, it's, it's a fairly recent, but that's like my big super nerdy spiel. Anyways, uh, enough of that. Let's get into the main topic. The main topic. All right. Well, actually, I'm going to have to interject because before we talk about our main topic, we've got a word from our friends, our buddies, our pals. Yeah. Those guys, those cool guys. They're nerds too. Yeah. We're all nerds together. Okay. Here's that little bit. Hey there, I'm Wes, and I run the Henshin Dab Podcast. If you don't know what that is, well, It's a one-man show where I talk about all the things that you need to know about the tokusatsu genre from Japan. If you've seen shows like Power Rangers and Ultraman, then you've seen tokusatsu. And I just happen to think those types of shows are pretty cool. So come on over and take a listen as I discuss all the current and retro happenings in the genre. You can find it over at anchor.fm forward slash henshindad. I'll see you there, and don't forget, henshin a go-go, baby! And we're back. 
Uh, toxic productivity. Mm-hmm. What? What? Now, when I say that, Josh, what does that mean to you? <laughs> That's what toxic productivity means to me. Um, oh <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's a good question. What is toxic productivity? Well, it's, it's productivity. That's not good, but it's bad. No. So I'm assuming toxic. Would you say toxic? Exactly. Exactly. You know, like Britney Spears. Um, (laughs) I don't know why I have like crappy pop on, on the, on the brain. Um, anyways, no. So toxic productivity. So my kind of assumption, at least where I've kind of gone with this so far, is basically taking uh, it's it's like it's like idolizing something, right? It's taking something that's good and going too far with it, so that it becomes uh, more than it really ought to be. Like it's no longer in its rightful place, mm-hmm. but um, you you have made it into its own little god. So, so when I think of toxic productivity, I think of, there's a range, okay? On the stupid end is like, you have to brush your teeth in the shower because that's going to save you 30 seconds that you don't have to when you're out of the shower. You know, like there's water anyway, you can save it. Like stupid hacks like that, where mm-hmm. um, you're counting down your days to the absolute minute, which I understand. I mean, I'm not, um, obviously we talk about productivity a lot on this pod, podcast mm-hmm. or, you know, in, in some form, like using your time well. Um, so I'm not downing on like ways that you can, you know, use your time better, ways you can cut back on other things. Like, no, those, those are good things. Um, but it can get, in that case, it can get comical with how like really like down to the absolute second that you're trying to be. And there may be seasons of life that you need to do things like that in where, you know, you're particularly stressed for time. But in general, um, I don't think that's the way that we as humans were made to function, (laughs) clearly, um, because we were, uh, you know, created with Sabbath in mind. Like that is one of the rhythms. God himself takes a Sabbath, Um, not that he needs it the way that we do but just that, that he he has actually like gone before us and showed us what that looks like. It's that mm-hmm. important. Um, so, so basically toxic productivity, if I can, yeah, again, erase like the past five minute rambles that I've had so far is um, taking productivity so far uh, that you become unbalanced as to... Um, as to the relationship between work and leisure. Mm, okay. That's good. That's good. That's actually that that last little bit is a pretty good working <laughs> definition. Finally. I mean, th- after it's, all the rest. Well, of- hey, you no, know, no, I think kidding. it's there's a lot of like verbal processing in there and yes. sort of like and that's, and that's kind of what we do. That's why we Chef. rabbit trail cuz we I think <laughs> we're well, we're thinking out loud. Yes. <laughs> you know. Yeah. When yeah. when we're talking about this stuff. So, you know, you, you have to look at like what I'm examining, I, I guess, in sort of bringing this up and sort of asking the question, my thoughts are like, we see books and, and you and I are sort of like, at least nominally, probably even more than nominally interested in productivity as mm-hmm. a general concept. Like, that's something like we, we've read several books, we've looked at different apps, we've looked at different sort of tracking 
you know, in different metrics and things like that. And, and to a certain extent, I think, you know, those are good. And I think it, and as far as being wise stewards, we want to be mindful and intentional with our time. And as people who seek to have a healthy understanding of vocation and labor and creation and rest and the different rhythms that we as, as creative beings are sort of called into, we need to sort of address some of this. And so it's really easy to sort of like, you know, talk about like sort of the, the destructive, like the being entertained to death Mm -hmm. sort of side of things. Yeah. You know, um, which I think is is a huge problem in our culture. Um, yeah. But I also sort of in listening to, and I mean, these are people that I enjoy and respect. Uh, I was actually listening to uh, Colin Moriarty from Colin's Last Stand. He does like the Sacred Symbols podcast and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And even though I think the way that that guy works sometimes, like he's always like hustling, always working and- And it's just like, I'm listening to this stuff and I'm like, the constant sort of like, I need to be producing, I need to be making, I need to be sort of like always hustling, always sort of having a side gig, always, always creating something to be sold, to be marketed. And sort of what what actually fired this off for me is when we were talking about objectivism and just the transactional nature of like how basically everything is is looked at through a transactional lens. Um, whereas as believers, you know, and this is not a unique thought to me, I, I'm kind of hijacking this from a bunch of other stuff that I've been thinking through and listening to, but we really believe in covenantal relationships versus transactional. Hmm. And it's one of the things that I think, honestly, uh, observation, it's interesting. I'm glad you brought up Sabbath observation sabbath rest actually that helps us to sort of step outside of the the transactional relationships and actually engage in covenantal relationships where it's like instead of saying like what can i get out of this person what can you know how can i leverage this relationship what can they do for me it becomes very much like you are invested in this person in a more meaningful way Mm -hmm. yeah so it's you know all that to be said, like I would say that when we take these productivity techniques and we allow them to basically tip the scales and, you know, sort of unbalance our lives, you know, it's like when, when productivity sort of becomes the most important thing about you. Yeah. That's the, at that point in time, like I look at a guy like Jocko Willink, right? Dude's amazing. Yeah. Super driven, type A, super hardcore, talks about radical ownership. And even in listening to some of that stuff, like when I listened to that uh, that Pansram episode. Oh, yeah, you listened to it. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. Yeah. That was, some of that was real hard to stomach. I still, just like based off of the excerpts, that Jack, I have to wonder how much of that was just like. How much was the front? Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be like how much of that was a front that this guy just hated everybody and just wanted to sort of be feared and reviled and hated and just I don't know. The, the, yeah. There's because it's I don't know. And it's it, it, yeah, even if a portion of what he claimed was true, um, 
Yeah, it's horrific. But mm-hmm. but even listening to Jocko sort of like talk about that, it's like and, you know he's talking about sort of like radical ownership and and failure and how sometimes just listening to him talk about some of that stuff. There are some things where I understand from sort of a leadership level where it's like, this is a useful tool, Mm -hmm. but I also thought it might be like, this is not necessarily a healthy, like when an individual believes that the success or failure of a project resides totally and completely on them and how well they manage it. Like to me, that's red flags. Mm -hmm. Like I'm like, yo, no. Like Mm -hmm. even if like you are like the big star, and like you are the big driver, especially if it's a team thing, like it can't be all on you, success yeah. or failure. And um, I haven't listened to a whole lot by Jocko. I haven't read any of his stuff. And it's, you know, but I just based on some of that stuff. And I, and I would even look at like, you know, we both really admire Paul Maxwell. Mm-hmm. But I think like this is a dude who just, I think, like burns himself out. Like he goes mm-hmm. so hard without engaging in these sort of like in, in healthy rhythms, like where it's just like, it's like, go produce, make, go, 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 go. And then it's just, you hit a wall and it's like, mm-hmm. and then you just sort of like, you fall out for a while. Whereas mm-hmm. I'm like, if you temper that, okay. I just, I just think like you know, part of like, we're we're looking at burnout and stuff like that too, mm-hmm. but part of it is so as believers we believe that we're supposed to work hard yeah oh, but yeah. we we also there's there's a couple things so you brought up like you know like the Lord institutes the Sabbath which you know is a creation ordinance but then is also reaffirmed as sort of being a moral good mm-hmm. in the 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 Ten Commandments in the first table of the law um, to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. And in a way that is a kindness. That is a, a, a gift from God for limited create creatures to be able to step outside of the rat race and yeah. be refreshed. You know, we we've talked before about sleep and the necessity of sleep. And I think mm-hmm. like, Basically, the the short version of all of this for me is as I was thinking through this and thinking about all of this, man, is like toxic productivity is those things like it's it's the mentality that says like I'll sleep when I'm dead. Mm-hmm. It's like and basically sort of enters into a very unhealthy mindset that like I I'm at at all costs I must be a producer I must make I must do I must. And it, and it at at its core, it is a sort of it is idolatrous in nature, but it's also sort of what it is. It's a it's a misplacement of identity. Yeah, because at that point in time, your identity isn't. So you and I t- have talked about like the LGBTQT sort of revolution and all that the that agenda and how like their primary agenda is like how I feel about people of X gender or whatever is the most important thing that you can know about me. This is like the critical pillar of who I am as a human being. Whereas for a person who is sort of living within the the spheres of toxic pro, uh, of a toxic productivity sort of environment, like the most important thing about them, the thing that identifies and and forms who they are is, did I do enough? Mm-hmm. 
have I have I done enough? Have I made enough? Have I, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a good point. And as you, ta- especially like uh, uh, juxtaposing the Sabbath ordinance and how it really is kind of a, just a clear way of saying that you're not in control, <laughs> right? That mm-hmm. things will happen without you uh, and you need to, you need to accept that. I do think, and and yeah, again, well, like you said, like you started out with, um, we're not against productivity. It's actually really helpful to learn things, yeah, to be reflective, uh, to make sure that you're not, you know, wasting. A, a it's a good, good thing to to maximize your time. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Like it's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And some of the tools that are available out there and techniques, they're good. Yes. They're they're not bad. Yeah. It's just that when these things are taken it's they are elevated to an idolatrous level. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so like yeah, I think of and I I I do really respect Jocko Willink. I like him yeah. a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the dude's the dude's super motivated. Mm-hmm. Like I I I'm saying this nothing but respect for that dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um but but yeah, when you when you think about yeah, just the juxtaposition of Sabbath and what it's there for. And I mean, that's complex. Like there's a lot that God is doing through Sabbath that, but we can at least say that this is one of the things, right? Is to remind you that you are not God. <laughs> you well, don't have to be going all the time. You should not be going all the time. But then you think of th- this idea of extreme ownership, which again, I'm not against in its like, just the core tenets of it, yet especially nowadays when when the prevailing theory is that you are just a product of your culture and it's your culture's fault that you turned out the way that you are. So this is kind of a reaction to that almost, saying that, well, no, you take ownership of everything that you can. Um, it kind of makes me wonder like how much of that is about control. How much of that, you know, saying that this is, this was under my purview and, you know, this messed up because I was supposed to do X, Y, Z when maybe it wasn't up to you right now. How could you improve yourself? That's always a great question to ask always, you know, under any circumstances, what could I even saying like, even looking in those situations where, where that, that kind of failure happens and saying, what could I have done? Mm Mm-hmm. To uh, that, that's a fine question. Yeah, that's a that's a fine. But it is, it is, it is a, an issue of control. It's it's yeah. it's in a lot of ways, it's an attempt to subvert or sort of deny the limitations that we face yeah. as finite beings. Yes, oh, like you said that so well. <laughs> it well, and it's like even looking at the Sabbath. I think one of the things that I've really come to appreciate about just like sabbath observance is that it gives me the opportunity to humbly and cheerfully observe my limitations mm-hmm. and and in a way to sort of embrace you know and it's not to say that like god has made us to do things and it's not mm-hmm. to be like yeah, but it's like in a lot of ways like if we were to like drop off and just like disappear like would that have impact? Yes. Like our wives would 
know, our families would miss mm-hmm. us and things like that. But the world would go on yeah. and God's work would still get done. And it's mm-hmm. it it is in in a way like intentionally embracing our finitude. Yeah. And saying like, no, I am not in control of everything. Like the yeah. world moves on regardless. Like the Lord's plans move on mm-hmm. regardless of whether I you know, do X, Y, or Z. And even in a lot of ways, I think sort of like part of that too is saying like, you know what? And in times, a lot of the time, like the Lord is at work in spite of me. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's good. Yeah. And and so, I mean, there's there's so much like the more I, I sort of meditate and think on like what it means to really observe and practice and embrace sabbath as a concept mm-hmm. and as a principle and as sort of a a guiding as as something foundational that i'm like trying to build my life around and and legitimately i think that understanding like biblical sabbath observation and i'm not trying to talk about like saying like it has to be on this day it has to be but like understanding mm-hmm. what its purpose is and what it's for and like you know will help and it will actually inform my my theology of vocation and it will you know inform my work ethic and my leisure ethic and like these things anyways but yeah yeah it's it's funny that we're kind of going down this path just like i didn't foresee um talking about no, I, I, was, I didn't either i was the one who brought it up um but it's yeah it's funny because an, another thing that i'm thinking is like the the idea that uh sabbath well no it's it's funny because i'm connecting these dots in my head right you mentioned how this whole topic came from thinking about objectivism um and it's explicit denial in anything greater than man one mm-hmm. and it's um abhorrence for uh, any kind of dependence on anyone else, right? So, I mean, she explicitly said that in Fountainhead. I don't recall if it was quite as explicit in in Atlas Shrugged, except, I mean, her disdain for altruism uh, as a concept certainly came through. Um, but Fountainhead was very explicit in saying, like, the the fact that you have to depend on someone else is a moral evil, Right, like to yeah. to to do that, which um, you know, as I'm reading it, I'm thinking like, well, oh gosh, sorry, a, a word just flashed in my head that I really don't like. Um, yeah, the word was ableist because I think that's it's it's used very poorly. Um, but there are people that are dependent by nature, uh, and I say nature like because of the way that they were created. Um, whether that is some sort of physical or mental defect, like they require, you know, I think of like a child with severe down syndrome is, is Mm -hmm. absolutely dependent on their parents or their caretakers, but they are no less valuable than anyone Mm -hmm. else. And so, and, and so anyways, um, Oh, sorry. I feel like I'm kind of straying from the main point, but I'm saying that like Sabbath reminds us that we need to be dependent on God because like you were saying- Not not uh, that we need to, but that we inherently and intrinsically are dependent uh on God. Yes. And and we, I feel like the, 
yeah, the toxic part of productivity wants to deny that fact. It wants to mm -hmm. push up against that and say that, well, no, if I continue to work, if I continue to hustle, if I continue to, to work all my days, you know, never take a day off, sleep as little as possible, continue to hustle, like things will get better. And it's funny because there's like, there's a grain of truth in there is that, yes, you do need to work hard and the better that you work, like because of the way that God has created the universe, the more that you work, the better that you are at your work. Generally, things are going to go better for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, because if you and do even work, sort of people are attracted to that. Yeah. And there's even sort of like, and you will have to make sacrifices mm -hmm. for that. Mm -hmm. Like, and you know, th those things are, are fine and good when they're in their proper place. We don't, like, there are things that just as much as like, if somebody like were to say like, I think the same rules that we've sort of, or not rules, but like things that we've talked about, like uh, you don't sacrifice your health. You don't sacrifice mm -hmm. your sleep. You don't sacrifice your relationships in order to pursue productivity, just as much as you would not sacrifice those things to play video games. Right. Like it is, it, it is in a lot of ways, sort of the opposite side of this coin. Mm -hmm. Like, and the same general principles would apply that there, there are things that are foundationally just of more significance and it's and and it is not to say that you shouldn't work hard and that right. there isn't merit in working hard, but it is saying that like work is not or or productivity is not the most important thing about an individual. Or, yes, and it's like and but in, in a way too, what this does is this this sort of toxic productivity actually robs people. Like it sort of confronts the Imago Day and it says like one of the things that I think we have to just out and out reject about obje objectivism is that it really is like a person's value is based solely on what they do mm -hmm. okay and so this is in a lot of ways like the the Bioshock stuff sort of has like fed this like like stirred this up in me and talking about uh Rand's you know, philosophies and everything. And it's all about like, you know, the self-sufficient individual. And there's so many things in there that I, I just want to like, sort of like take pot shots at and just like sort of dismantle. And it's not to say that there aren't goods in mm -hmm. that yeah. and things that are worth sort of like acknowledging as true and useful. But the, the sort of this hyper productivity actually strips away you know i think like the example that you used of like the down it, it strips away the the dignity of mm -hmm. a human being yeah. and saying like you, you know like you use the example of somebody with like you know a severe case of down syndrome who's not able to take care of themselves like in that worldview that person whether whether we like if you're being honest you know, and again, this is not to say that like people who sort of engage in toxic productivity, because I think we all do in a, we all sort of engage in different levels of just sort of like, that's such a, mm -hmm. a toxic is just one of those terms I don't really like using a whole okay. lot, but like, <laughs> you know, th this destructive idolatry, uh, it's, yeah. it's useful and sort of that it conveys that it's harmful, right. but 
it is it does like toxic masculinity toxic right. culture blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. it's like blah. yeah okay that's that's true it does kind of poison pun intended um the poison the well in that like mm-hmm. it makes it sound like oh all productivity is toxic no not at all this is sort of like toxic masculinity well masculinity is toxic no it's not <laughs> no there <laughs> it's is actually very now, much the- needed but and there there are manifestations of masculinity that are poisonous and yeah. harmful. Mm-hmm. Yep. And just as much as like there's manifestations of this productivity culture that are poisonous and harmful. Yeah. And we have to address that. Like we have to say like, you know, especially as believers, the goal is not to like, you know, I've been thinking and it's like, I've been listening to, uh, a, I, I didn't bring it up. I, it, I, I've been listening to this uh, Pilgrim's Progress series on, uh, from the reform forum. Okay. And just sort of listening to that book. And I've, I've even sort of mentioned that Pilgrim's Progress is not like my favorite book. I like the allegory is sort of like just very in your face. Oh yeah. On the nose, straight up. And there's a part of me that's like the snobby, Oh, it's it's so obvious, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, that's just me being a snob and a brat. (laughs) Um, but it was like listening to that has really challenged me on sort of thinking about how I guess we're just it's uh, how comfortable with my own sin I've gotten, mm. and even even today, like so, just and I didn't bring it up in the backlog report or anything, but I've decided over the next couple of weeks I'm going to be drilling down on the Ten Commandments and like doing my mm. quiet times and meditations on the Ten Commandments and sort of just like mm. thinking about. And so today I started with the first command, I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You should don't, you know, you shall have no other gods before me. And mm-hmm. that, you know, the first command is like, I am God. I am the only, like, I am your deliverer. I, not me mm-hmm. personally, but, you know, God, I'm speaking but, as God. Yes. You know, I don't even like saying that. In, in but, so far as, as the scripture does. Yeah, no, that, yeah, I get it. Like, but it's, it's like, it makes, even saying like some of that makes me feel, but <laughs> you know, the Lord looks at us and says, I am the one who has delivered you. I am the one who has freed you. I, I am the Lord. I am the creator of heaven. Like, and I am the only thing, the only being that is worthy of, of your worship. And your admiration. And so it's just, in thinking about all of that, it's just like, you know, even this productivity, like when we, when we look at some of the productivity culture, it's like, you know, poisoning the, you know, it's the well is poisoned. Like, and I think this is like, some of this is a, is a result of the fact that like, you know, we talk about like the Puritan work ethic and you, you know, the, the Puritans worked hard and they played hard. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, and I think they've sort of gotten a bad, like a lot of times they, oh, don't be such a Puritan, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, what what people don't understand is Puritans uh, had a lot of sex, had a lot of kids. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm not trying to be crass here, drank good beer. Well, well maybe not good <laughs> beer, but drank a lot of beer. Um, y- you know, like these were, they were not prudes in the sense that, mm-hmm. You know, that, that that's actually sort of a bit of a misnomer because all of that prudishness and the sort of like, that actually is more of a Victorian thing than a Puritan okay. thing. Mm. But yeah, so you're welcome. <laughs> uh, th- there's a little bit of a history lesson for you. Uh, do a little bit of reading and stop stop playing video games, you, you weebs, uh, you <laughs> nerds. Um, 
Sorry, I don't. But the the but the Puritans were known for like working like mm-hmm. really hard, and they they valued labor. Um, and when you strip like, and I think in a lot of ways they embraced a biblical work ethic. But when you also strip out the sort of the underlying understanding of like you know man's limitedness and his dependency on God and you strip out like the need for rest and the need for fellowship and you turn it all into sort of like this very Darwinistic accumulation of goods. I mean, like the biggest problem with our our country as far as like, and, and just honestly, the biggest, like when you see people like criticize capitalism and, and screech about income inequality and all of this other stuff, it's because we've embraced a secular Darwinistic version of capitalism where it's, you, you know, it is, it is not merely about the best idea wins. It is, you know, win at all costs. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. is about, it is about like, you will, you need to take as much as you possibly can. And a capitalist system that is governed by a Christian morality will be more fair than any other system, you mm-hmm. know, economic mm-hmm. system out there. Not to say that it would be perfect, but yeah, it's, and that's, uh, you're welcome. You know, thank you for my, you know, coming to my Ted talk. <laughs> I'll get off my soapbox now. Um, but, <laughs> but no, it's like, you know, and listening to sort of like some, like I said, the objectivist, arguments and thinking through those things it did sort of provoke me a little bit and and because Mm -hmm. we are you and i do value productivity and we look at different ways to like leverage our time well you you know and so this these are the things that i've been thinking through over the last couple of weeks yeah yeah it makes a lot of sense when you put it that way because because i did you know i talked about uh, obviously we've been talking about her in in her work uh, this whole episode, but I did enjoy those books and I think she brought up a lot of good points and it did challenge me in certain ways as well. But there, but there are also inherent flaws in what she espoused. Um, and so that's kind of what we're talking about. Um, I, I do think I, I find in myself as I'm like trying to think through the ways in which uh, productivity has not been so uh, positive for me, um, I, I find, well, we, we touched on it earlier. Um, but just the, the idea of, of relationships with other people being transactional, um, it's, it's not even necessarily a conscious thought of, well, if I get, you know, A, B and C done, then you're going to do X, Y, and Z kind of a thing necessarily. Mm. Um, but when, when you run into hardships or difficulties, because guess what? Not everyone's like you. <laughs> Hopefully you figured that out by now. Um, and, and not everyone, not everyone acts like an NPC in a video game where, yeah, you just tell them to do something and then they do it. Um, so in a certain sense, well, I mean, just in general, relationships are often inefficient it, pretty much any relationship, unless it's a superficial one, uh, and I, I say I say any re- relationship. I guess I mean with friends, with family. Um, 
with kind of well, the deeper relationships, not necessarily just like work relationships. What's up? I would say that it's inefficient if you're using profitability as the metric. Okay. Okay. Like yeah. if you're using that as the the measurement that this is sort of like, you know, well then yeah, they're inefficient. They're counterproductive. But I think like the, the, the thing of this is that we are more than merely – we are meant for more than mere productivity. Right. We are meant for you, you you know, we are meant for fellowship. We are meant for community. We are mm -hmm. like we are meant to be covenantal versus transactional. Mm -hmm. And because of that, because of that orientation, like I think in a lot of ways we have to reject you you know the the metrics that the world uses to to gauge these things by. Yeah. I, and I, I think that yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to. I, sorry for interrupting. I didn't mean. No, that. no, that's that's fine because I think I think that works. Just that model works too. Because, like you think about marriage, and one of the one of the biggest issues that um, married couples have is viewing their relationship as, in some ways, transactional. Right of 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 seeing, you know, like the other person as not of no longer like placing their worth in them or, or doing what they believe that they ought to do for the other person. If that I mean, makes sense. Dude, in my own marriage, like I can tell you some of the worst fights and some of the biggest problems we have is when I, or, or Megan, but mostly me, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, when I'm like, you're not holding, it's almost like you're not holding up your end of the bargain. Yeah. And that is frankly like, you know, because what the relationship ought to be is like one of selflessness, like one that seeks service and the mm -hmm. good of the other. Mm -hmm. Not saying like, you aren't doing what I think you ought to be doing. Yeah. And like, that's, that's something that I need to reject and kill and mm -hmm. repent of. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because I think I think productivity often asks like, what is the shortest distance between two points, mm -hmm. right? From where you are and where you want to be, what is the quickest way to get there and cut everything else out? Whereas mm -hmm. relationships, people don't work that way, <laughs> right? Interpersonal relationships rarely work that way. Like cut out all the fat. And just, you know, and th th there's, there's, you know, the stereotypical husband, wife kind of a thing of like, well, you need to discuss these things, you know, you, you need to discuss how you're feeling and all that. And the guy is over here like, well, you know, no, it's this, you know, the very logical, right? The stereotypical man is very logical. The stereotypical woman is very emotional and uh, it takes much more time to work out those emotional things. Those are stereotypes. I totally understand that. But I'm saying, I'm saying with any relationship, yes, that that works on the marriage relationship. Um, but any relationship is going to be inefficient because people don't work. You, they're not machines. You can't push buttons mm. and expect them to spit out um, exactly what you know what you want from them. Um, and you know what? The flip side of this of of our relationship with God is blessedly inefficient as well. Um, because frankly, if God wanted to be efficient with us, he would have wiped us all out when Adam sinned. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> we said, you know what? This isn't working. Mm -hmm. Throw it all out. Yeah. 
The scripture says time and time again that he is long suffering, right? Mm -hmm. He shows his love by bearing with us <laughs> and our, uh, he understands our uh, lowly estate uh, and our sinfulness. And, and he, not that we aren't storing up for ourselves wrath if we are his enemies, right? Not that he doesn't justify all things in the end, but that he is also long suffering. <laughs> And, uh, and, and that is anathema to, at least, at least to the toxic side of productivity, of, of the mindset that everything else needs to be cut away so that I can just get to my goal right now. Well, um, and I, I think too, and, and this is a, a slightly different tangent here mm -hmm. too, but I think in doing that sometimes, you know, just in sort of, you and I have talked about stoicism and some of the lessons that stoicism teaches. And that I, I think one of the things that even Christianity sort of echoes that, and you know what, here, I'm going to come back to the reform forum. So um, they're talking about Pilgrim's Progress, where mm -hmm. Pilgrim is facing up against Apollyon and is a difficult thing. And actually uh, Christians initials not it is christian it's not pilgrim yeah sorry brain but christian's initial reaction when he comes up across apollyon is like i'm i should get away from this i should flee from this danger um mm -hmm. but like a lot of times we, we as christians are brought to hard things and we are brought to hard things so that we can grow so that we can be challenged so that we can be shaped so that we can be you, you know we can be pruned by the, the 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 kind gardener so that we can be refined by the the forge master so that we can be shaped by the potter mm. and so that we can be used by a good and gracious god who mm -hmm. who calls us his children but we need to go through those hard things and on the other side we will be better off for those things, we be conformed more to the likeness of Christ. We will be more useful for the kingdom and for our King. Yeah, and productivity seeks to sidestep all of that difficulty mm -hmm. in the name of expediency. Yeah, yeah, that's a good word, expedient, because um, I think that is kind of the core tenet of the the ideas of productivity. And so, I I think I think where you find a good balance now certainly as we've been talking about, it's in recognizing our finitude, right? It's in recognizing who we are, what we can and can't do, but it also while at the same time pushing ourselves to be, mm -hmm. to do as much good as we can, right? To share yeah. the gospel in as many ways as we can. Um, certainly to follow hard after Christ. Also recognizing our... Um, I'm trying to think of another word. I don't know. Infirmity. Um, and, our, and so, weakness, our weakness, our limitations, mm -hmm. our, you know, what, like our frailty, whatever yes. you like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Actually, there was a hymn that uh, that the Gettys do, and, and there's a line in there that I think is is awesome. Um, it was just, sorry, it, it just came up tonight. We had a, we have a hymn sing every Monday night at our church that we stream, and uh, there's a line uh, two uh, something lines I must confess, uh, basically saying that this is a paradox 
uh, my worth and my unworthiness. Unworthiness. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I know that. A, uh, at the cross. Mm-hmm. I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, mm-hmm. wellspring of my soul. Mm-hmm. I will trust in him no in other. No other. Mm-hmm. Satisfied in him, him alone. alone. Yes, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, two, two something truths, I must confess. I can't remember what it is. Um, my, my worth and my unworthiness. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, and it's, yeah, it is a bit of a paradoxical statement. Mm-hmm. Because in our worthlessness, in our rebellion, in our sinful wickedness, God has treasured us and 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 loved us and cared for us so much that He sent Christ, the God Man, or the the, the Son, mm-hmm. to become the God Man, to step into flesh, to become incarnate, and take on the sins of the world. And you know, there's there is something. Radically inefficient with that. Right. It, like, which would reject the, the, the productivity norms of the world. And again, productivity, God is productive. God was yeah. is so productive, he made everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he not only made everything, he sustains and is actively involved in maintaining everything. Yeah. But- and it's just like I I keep thinking like my ways are not my ways are not yours. Yeah, my ways are like yeah. My, my thoughts are not like your thoughts. My my ways are higher than yours. And it's yeah. just like you know I think a lot of us too like even sort of I think a sort of a productivity a toxic an example of toxic productivity is sometimes like you know sometimes like well if I was God I would blah 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 yeah. blah blah blah. Yeah. It's all about like. Well, you know, it's all about sort of like removing, like making things more effective, more efficient in a wicked way. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that like we should look for better ways to do things. We should pursue excellence. Yeah. But not at the expense of, you know, the things that are truly important. Right. Yeah. So another another verse, I just I just searched for it here. I didn't know it off the top of my head. Um, another verse that pops into my into my mind. Second uh, Peter three nine says that the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some may count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So yeah, I mean, he's being clear here that like, yeah, sometimes it looks like God is being slow, but He is working out His perfect plan that's actually better than ours, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, despite what we consider it to be. But He He is seeking the greater good that we can't see right now that we are not considering because we are finite in in our perspective and even in our desires as well. So to me, this might be off base, so feel free to push back. But to me, the way that I I see this balancing in addition to um in addition to our relationship with the Lord and and Sabbath and and rest and things like that is that um but in our relationships with other people as far as it's up to me, right? As far as it's for me to accomplish the mission that God has for me, I'm going to to work as hard as I I can as far as it's up to me um but also have grace towards other people who aren't the same way and and in in working when it's up to someone else like basically to show grace 
right? Does that make sense at all? Like mm-hmm. to work as hard as I can for myself, but recognize, and this is difficult and this is not, this is what I'm bad at because I find myself when I tend more towards like, okay, how can I be as productive as possible, as efficient as possible? Um, how can I do this? How can I hack my life to get more done? I tend to get more frustrated with people who aren't that way, right? Mm-hmm. Who are slowing me down for one reason or another. Or, you know, oh, I can't get anything done between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. because my kids are awake. And so I can't get any work done because they're always getting in the way. Like, yeah, that's kind of an evil way to look at your kids mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're supposed to be their father. Um, you know, th- th- things like that. When is to show grace with other people and to look out for the good of others. But then when it's me, when it's I'm working on myself, like push, push through, if that makes sense. Well, and I think I would even sort of like maybe add a little bit, but it's like, and be gracious with yourself in the sense that because you are, you know, finite because Mm -hmm. you are frail and limited but because you are a created being versus and you are not omnipotent there's a certain level of incompetence and impotence that just sort of accompanies being human Mm -hmm. and so when you fail i mean take ownership of that but also do that in a sense and sort of saying like and, and learn from it accordingly Especially like, you know, but at the same time, understand, understand that the Lord, the Lord is, is in, is in that and is using that as well. I think, you know, there's something sort of as, as a, a bit of a wrapping up my thoughts. I remember something my mom said to me years ago, um, when I first started coming back to the church and, and sort of like beginning to walk in obedience and and faith she said to me there are you know no wasted there's nothing wasted god Mm. wastes nothing Mm. Mm. and it's not to say we we waste things yeah like we we waste our time we waste our opportunities we waste money we waste all sorts of things yeah um but even with our wastefulness god is using that and and, and mm-hmm. not to encourage us to be wasteful right you know no i i i really want to encourage people to be thoughtful and intentional and wise and good stewards and that means you know n- not wasting things but yeah even in our our wastefulness god is kind and he does not waste our failures and our sins yeah yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's exactly like what Joseph was getting at when he said that what Satan is used for evil, what you, no, excuse me, what you have intended for evil, God has used for good. Like it's both and, right? <laughs> yes, we can be wasteful, we can waste things, but God mm-hmm. does not, like he's still working through that in some way that we can't see and like there there was purpose in that even if you didn't intend for there to be. So yeah. it's it's both like uh it's it's very hopeful while at the same time acknowledging yeah we can do better you know yeah it's just like i said it, there was just some some stuff in there where i was just you know like i said i got to thinking about just the ideas of 
you know, it, it really is sort of putting this idea, the transactional sort of relationships versus the covenantal style mm-hmm. or the covenantal relationship. And sort of like we, in in many ways, we are to be at odds with some of that. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's just, it's just interesting and it's difficult and it's, it's something that I think it's, is worth sort of chewing on and, and yeah. working through and wrestling with. Yeah. Cause guess what? We're humans and we have a way of screwing everything up, <laughs> taking good things and making idols out of them. Right. Mm-hmm. There we go. Full circle. Human heart is an idol factory. Mm-hmm. There you go. Factory of idols. Mm-hmm. Little John Calvin paraphrasing there. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think uh, th- since that takes us all the way back to the beginning, I think that's a good place to kind of wrap it up in a bow. But of course, if uh, you guys have any more thoughts on this, we'd love to hear them. There are tons of ways you can get in touch. We've got an email address, thebacklogbreakdown at gmail.com. We've got the hashtag Backlog Book Club on Facebook. And then on Twitter, our handle is at bbdowncast. There's also Discord if you want to join that. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, Or if you want to reach out to us personally, I generally go on the internet by Broccolope, spelled B-R-O-C-C-O-L-O-P-E. And Nate goes by... Nate underscore McKeever. He just goes, he uses his full name. Did you, did you, so one of the things, like, I feel like, you know, if you are a patron on our Patreon, uh, or, or even in, I posted in the Discord. So I mentioned I'm playing XCOM 2 and Mm -hmm. and all the, the little, I made up all of our patrons or, and it's, it's my, that's my squad. Those are my homies that I roll deep with. Mm -hmm. Um, which is also why I spent a lot of time saves coming because we would all be dead multiple times <laughs> over if I didn't do that. Um, but it was probably a wildly inefficient use of my time. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But it was for your bros, for the bro chachos. And, and yeah. I think I, hopefully everybody got a little bit of a giggle out of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was great. Awesome, man. Um, oh, well, the reason I brought that up was because I made, I can give nicknames to everybody. Mm. And yours, I made Broccolope. Micah's was Gear. Mm-hmm. Paul's was Techno. Wes was Henshin. Um, uh, let's see. There was me. I, I made mine underscore. Uh, yes, of which, course. Which I, I thought, I that made me giggle a little bit. I was like, that, that kind of... Uh, but then we we have a new a new patron. Yes. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, Dorian Taylor, I believe. Yeah. I want to I want to check. Yeah, Dorian Taylor joined uh, us as a patron, and we just want to say thank you, good sir. That's very cool. Welcome aboard. And uh, and I named him Basement B A S S M E N T because mm-hmm. I think that's his that's his Twitter or his uh, Discord handle or whatever. So. Mm-hmm. I dig it, man. It was good. And then, and then, what was it like the the no faced trash turkey or something? Like, uh, what, yeah, what the saying? trash like, turkey incognito redacted. Well, there you go, redacted. Trash uh, yeah, turkey. that's yeah. that's what I was yes, I was forgetting. Was but yeah, trash turkey. That was fun. You know who who is a mystery, um, and uh, he's a mystery wrapped in an enigma, shrouded <laughs> in more mysteries. There you go, and unknowables. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, I gave him a hockey mask and no identifiable features. And uh, <laughs> yeah. his first and last name were redacted. redacted. He's just the trash turkey. <laughs> turkey from the trash. I dig it. Yeah. Well, welcome, Dorian. Uh, glad to have you, man. Looking forward to uh, interacting with you some more. Yeah. Faux show. So if you like what we do, we do have a Patreon. And it's a tip jar. If you want to throw us a few dollars, there's some interesting perks. There's a, well, you get video footage of our podcast now. You mm-hmm. get early access. Yeah, it happens. Uh, you, you, you get to stare at Josh's lovely visage and my, you know, bearded thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I, I decided I'm, I'm growing back my beard. For I, I, like, I could see. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a bit longer than it has been in quite not, a while. Not, uh, I, I don't think I'm going to go like full down to like my middle of my chest or wherever it was before. Okay. But uh, yeah, I am growing it back Get out because I'm just like, I miss it and I like mm-hmm. having it. Uh, but so you can do the, the Patreon thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also, if you don't want to do that, as you know, tell your friends about the podcast. Do the the whole sub, rate, review sort of thing. Five stars if you want, or just any stars would be mm-hmm. nice. You know, yep. unless it's like if you if you hate the show, like we're willing to hear that too. I mean, like mm-hmm. you know, we'd prefer the the nice reviews, but if you know, whatever. Yeah. Anyways, um, maybe tell us personally, not not through Apple Podcasts, but you know. Yeah, that would be preferable, but, you know. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, we've sort of, we've we've done the things that we came here to do. We mm-hmm. very inefficiently meandered through our conversation on productivity. We explored all sorts of rabbit trails, which was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But, you know, it just goes to show that we are really good at being bad at brevity. That's true. Um, which is kind of our, it's kind of our bag, baby. Um, but so we've done the things that we came here to do. What should they do, Josh? You guys keep beating down your backlogs and we'll keep breaking down the benefits. And the final word goes to none other than the techno funk boy himself. Also, Fruity Pebbles, best cereal. And as the old guy here with a hoary head, I know. Also, I'm the fat guy here, so I know. <laughs>